drop. Hey, Idaho Dems, welcome back to another episode of ID Pod, where we talk about Idaho politics and how it affects you, the voter. I'm your host, Jesse Maldonado. And I am host number two, Lindsay Johnson. The more the merrier. <laughs> Today on the podcast, we had Rudy Soto, who's a candidate for Congressional District 1 here in Idaho against Russ Fulcher. Talked about Rudy's past, how he got to where he is today, and why he's so excited to run for CD1 and take out Russ Vulture and give him a run for his money. Heck yes. And his favorite potato dish. And his favorite potato dish. Which is one we haven't really heard before. Which I... A variation of one we have heard, but... I suggest that you listen to what it was because it was exciting. But yes, Sudi... What will it be? Sudi Roto. Rudy Soto, running for... Sudi Roto? (laughs) Was that an accident or did you say... It was an accident. He's a wrestling fan. Maybe that's his wrestling name. Sudi Roto. Anyways, <laughs> we had fun with Rudy today on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Hope you enjoy it, and uh, we'll catch you after the show. All right, so Rudy, we ask all of our guests that come on one question to break the ice, and it's what their favorite potato dish is. My favorite potato dish. It's going to have to be mashed potatoes, simply okay. put. And I really annoyed a bunch of people once because I had these mashed potatoes that were laced with a bunch of other things in it. Laced? Like other in, 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 <laughs> ingredients. Like yeah. they had all these other ingredients. It was, I think it was like... Potato skins, garlic. I might have even been like halibut or something. Oh. Like, like they, That's a crime. It, it, had, it had like some chunkiness of I mean, other fish things. Fish has its place, but not in mashed potatoes. I, I don't... Yeah, mm. I was just thrown off, but it was really good. Oh. And okay. it was well, super hearty, and I was like... Had us in the first half. Wow, I've never had <laughs> mashed lie. potatoes like that, and this that was something else. And then people were like, man, this guy won't shut up about the mashed potatoes. <laughs> when something's well, good, go. I just can't stop talking about it yeah. either. Like Interesting. Something. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I had like bacon bites and oh, okay. chives. Well, that and, sounds really good. But it was, it was different. Not even, it's, not, it's a full meal at that point, not even a side yeah, dish Yeah, you anymore. just put everything in the mashed potatoes. Interesting. Yeah. Throw some broccoli in there. But uh, yeah, I love <laughs> potatoes. I mean, you have to. How, who how, doesn't? How could you not? I mean... Yeah, but we're lucky that potatoes are kind of like our mascot. Yeah. So that we can talk about potatoes for every episode we record. So you announced you're running for Congress a couple months ago. That's Um, right. So tell us a little bit about, you know, we we can jump into all of these eventually throughout throughout the show, but, you know, why you're running, how'd you get here, you're from Idaho, you know, all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Yes, happy to. So I'm running because I believe people need choices for the upcoming election. And I saw that there wasn't anybody, there wasn't anybody running uh, first and foremost. And I saw that, you know, the last cycles, there weren't candidates who were garnering enough support. I wanna build on what they were able to do. And I'm grateful to, you know, be in touch with them to learn from their lessons. I saw what happened with Medicaid expansion and that moved me because five years ago I was here uh, back home living for a short time after being you know, away for a long time because of my helping put my dad to rest. Essentially he you know, was a farm worker, later worked for Simplot um, at the, a factory in Caldwell 
And because of what's happening all over the country, downsizing and automation, you know, the advent of technology, you're having, uh, you know, technology replace people. Uh, and it's just, that's just the way things are, you know, it's the advancement of civilization and it comes with trade-offs. And so my dad was a byproduct of that. And he wasn't one of the people, he was, you know, in his early 60s, he wasn't one of the people slated to be retrained. And, you know, he was phased off of work and laid off. And after just a couple months of being laid off, he fell ill. He had access to community health clinic, but he lost his health insurance. They tried to do their best to help him. But by the time we found out what it really was, after him just getting prescribed pain medication essentially and and we found out that it was from advanced stage cancer he had attracted cancer years prior and had subsided it had been treated and so he was he was good and that was because he had health insurance because he was you know employed at simplot but then it was years later when this played out. I was in Washington, D.C., <coughs> and I had to try to figure out what to do, how to help him, but my hands were tied. I remember exactly where I was when he told me, you know, what he was going through. I spoke with a doctor. He told me exactly, you know, what we're faced with, and it was, it was stunning, you know, in the worst way possible. And so I, because I was still in the military in the Army National Guard, I was trying to think through, okay, I, you know, I have this, you know, dream opportunity that I'm working, you know, that I'm there, I'm, I'm, I'm pursuing my potential. I'm, you know, a congressional fellow for a member of Congress from Oregon representing, at the time it was tribes of the Pacific Northwest on a congressional staff. I was a military police sergeant in the Army National Guard. I was doing a lot of the things that I wanted to be doing to try to help make a difference and learning a lot. And I was ready and willing to give it all up to get back home to try and figure out, okay, can I find a job at you know, Gowan Field or with the Idaho Army <coughs> National Guard wherein I can try and have my dad become a dependent on TRICARE or something mm -hmm. so he can you know, we he, we can you know, wrap up the end of his life with dignity. Uh, none none of those options were viable for us, and he was priced out of every you know best alternative. And so I got back home, and he didn't have very much you know longer left to live. And so uh, that was a tough experience. And at that time, I had just accepted a job to become a health uh, policy analyst and part of my job involved traveling the country to help get more people enrolled in the Affordable Care Act which included Medicaid in other states mm -hmm. where expansion was occurring so I put my pain from my dad's passing as best I could into a positive motivator and so I was traveling the country helping implement the law to try and make sure more people get access to health care. So when I saw the Medicaid expansion passed here, to me, it seemed 
like a tremor, like a moving of the tectonic plates underneath the earth showing that you know things are things are ready to change here uh with the amount of people that just care deeply about you know their neighbors their colleagues their friends and realize that you know we got to look out for each other so for me that was a strong sign that you know we're turning a page here and overcoming Know, strong opposition to doing what's best for one another. Like I said, not seeing anyone jump in the race. The stakes are too high for 2020 um, for you know, protecting Medicaid expansion, not just here in Idaho, but across the country. The stakes are high on so many fronts. And so um, I couldn't imagine myself sitting on the sidelines. You know, I had a great job, but I wanted to be at the forefront of determining the future. And so we only have one life to live and you got to think about where you were and what were you doing when this all was occurring. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's an exciting time to be alive. Yeah, I mean, what happened with your dad is like a classic example of how broken the healthcare system is. Um, and so I think that's a very uh, powerful reason to want to jump in and, and make a difference and change things. So, And we saw, you know, in 2018, people all across the country who just never thought that they would be the people that were going to be running for Congress. And they flipped districts that were, you know, Republican plus 20, Republican plus 18, that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff, because they cared about this one issue. Somebody, they had a relative who had stage four cancer or, you know, pick your issue. And they just kind of put their name on the belt. And here we have a Democratic controlled Congress now because everyday people decided to, you know, stand up for something, what they believed in. And here we are. Mm -hmm. So that's exciting to, you know, and unfortunate that, you know, your story had to end the way that it did. But you know, it's leading you to something that you can help others avoid, you know, situations like yourself. Yeah, you touch on another point, uh, Jesse, and that's being inspired by so many people of all these different backgrounds. That's another reason why it's exciting to be alive. When, you know, you can have people who aren't rich, who have roots in a place that they can put themselves forth and say, hey, I'm ready and willing to serve. And, you know, they if they contrast enough with the other person and people believe in them you know enough to be a better representative of their interests mm-hmm. people will turn out for them there's lots of different offices that you could have ran for so you live in Nampa that's right currently so sure there's you know there's legislative seats out there there's county seats in Canyon County out there um, what have you but what about CD1, what about Russ Fulcher made you, what about Idaho made you want to run for Congress? Yes. So most of my work and experience for the last half of this decade has, or more, has all been centered around working with the U.S. House of Representatives with Congress, either on it, near it, or with it. So most of my knowledge is, you know, centered on the federal legislative branch of government 
um, many of my you know contacts, you know both Democrat and Republican are at all levels throughout the House of Representatives, and so I know how to navigate the U.S. House of Representatives from that insight and experience that I had there. But also, what I've noticed about Congressman Fulcher's time in Washington, D.C. is, one, he his legislative track record is not super impressive. He, right. he hasn't put forth a lot of Mm-mm. legislation. He hasn't supported a lot of legislation and especially not bipartisan legislation that is meant to further the interest of keeping the government open, for instance. (laughs) Um, I admire much of the leadership and the style and approach that Congressman Simpson brings to bear in Congress. He's seen as more of a statesman-like type figure because of just adhering to the basic value of trying to fund the government and keep it open. And Fulcher is a, he seems out of the mainstream. Mm -hmm. He's more to the far right. And I think most Idahoans identify as mainstream, common sense, decent, reasonable folks, especially conservatives. So everyone that I know that I've grown up with, they're not really excited to see some of the rhetoric that comes out from the highest levels of our administration when some of these... uh, you know, when some of this chaotic news comes out and you have someone like a Mitt Romney stand up and be critical, people tend to agree more with his sentiments or his statements. And so I think Congressman Fulcher has put himself a little outside the mainstream with the tact uh, he's taken sure. uh, since he's been out in Washington, D.C. And then when it comes to the position... I believe that with the knowledge, contacts, resources that I would bring to bear for CD1, it would put us in in a place where we could make it competitive, and I hadn't been seeing that. Yeah, no, we were we pulled some numbers, you know, obviously over the history of just being involved with the party, and it's been a while since uh, a candidate has even eclipsed 40% in CD1 as a Democrat, unfortunately. You know, it's not something that... Um, that's the, we're not we're not necessarily proud of that, but that's just the reality that we live in. It's been since Minnick in 2010, since an, a, a candidate eclipsed 40%. So, what is your thought and theory behind you know building up a campaign team, having offices perhaps all over the uh, over the district, and visiting all these f- places? And what's what's your kind of like game plan to make sure that you're that next candidate to eclipse 40% or even you know bring home the victory in November? I'm excited about building a broad-based coalition of people that don't even care about the identifier of Democrat or Republican. People from all walks of life, all income levels, people that care about looking out for their families, Mm -hmm. and 
have a desire to ensure that their children's children's future is strong and that they can have faith in those that are elected to represent them to to do their best by them and so to make this competitive i'm seeking to connect it with people who don't typically participate as much um, underrepresented folks of the electorate such as young people Mm -hmm. high school graduates college age uh, students there's a huge hispanic population that many people outside of idaho don't even realize is a thing right um and it's huge as people here know it's i mean the hispanic population's a backbone of the community it's part of the makeup of our society here it's it's huge for the our economy here in idaho yeah, you know, really the is. immigrant immigrant population here and the Hispanic population here is vital to the agriculture economy here in Idaho. And without it, it's you know it's it's dangerous to even think about. You know, it's scary to think about. And people on both sides yeah. of the aisle, Republicans are aware of that. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And so, um, targeting people from you know that segment of our population, mm-hmm. you, you know, you have four reservations in CD1, mm-hmm. the Native American population is not high in numbers, but there are many people that work with and live around those communities right. that identify as rural who are often, they're not really brought into the fold as they should in terms of you know, plans that should be put forth for economic development. So I'm looking to aggressively after outreaching rural and reservation communities because we need more broadband so that Mm -hmm. people don't have to feel like they need to move to the bigger cities Mm -hmm. to you know get what they need or to start a small business or create opportunity where they are you know i want to try to go after of course veterans service members making sure that we have you know pathways toward a prosperous future, but also matters of war and peace. Just two weeks ago, it looked like we were on the brink of all-out war. For me, it was it's very real because the unit that I was a part of, that I served in, is the uh, 218th Field Artillery. They're deployed right now. Uh, so that was an Oregon oh. Guard, Oregon Army National Guard mm-hmm. unit. They're deployed right now in the Middle East. So if, if we broke into you know all out war there mm-hmm. with Iran because of where they're located and because of what that military occupation specialty does they would I I was a a grunt as people would call <laughs> it in the, in the military and so we're the people that go out there right alongside the infantry yeah. to carry out whatever's necessary whatever's whatever orders that were given. So it was real intense for me to think about those people that I know that are out there basically right by the front lines and would be on the front lines if we were to go into all-out war. There's a lot at stake. And mm-hmm. so um, reaching out to communities that maybe even haven't typically been tapped into by the Democratic Party um, as strongly recently um, as part of 
the game plan that mm-hmm. we'll be putting forth. CD1 is a very diverse congressional district. I mean, it, yeah. taking into consideration what congressional districts are made up around the country, um, you know, a lot of rural folks, a lot, there's uh, even parts of Boise that are in mm-hmm. it. Um, but there's definitely a, a big divide on what the issues are that are important to the voters, even within the same district. You know, when you look yeah. at folks, some somebody in Owyhee County versus somebody in uh, Bonner County or Boundary County w- touching the border in Canada, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's quite a diverse and long <laughs> congressional district. I mean, you're going to put miles and miles and miles upon miles on your car in the next couple of months. But and are you, you're planning a trip up north, you know, soon, hopefully, and yeah. start meeting in those communities and whatnot as a as a resident of congressional district one and always been i've always lived in cd1 it's uh it's nice to get get visits up north because uh you know a lot a lot of the power is just focused here in boise yep for sure yeah absolutely and i'm i'm excited about that you know anybody that knows me knows i love people i'm i'm more excited about getting out there and meeting with people and connecting people Mm -hmm. connecting with people one-on-one um, and in small groups than I am about anything else. Right. So I can't wait. Yeah, that'll be awesome. Get up there. Yeah. So we talked um, a little bit about Russ Fulcher um, and what he has failed to do since he took office. What do you think he's done that's positive, been positive for Idaho? Well, I'll say I admire his service to the state. And so, you know, I'm eager to make sure that we keep it focused on the issues that are important to people's lives. So I appreciate that question. I was happy to see that he voted in support of the Farm Worker Modernization Act. Mm-hmm. I, a lot of people weren't so sure whether he would. That's strongly supported by much of the business community and ag industry throughout the state and the country. Um, it's a compromise bill led in part by Simpson, largely mm-hmm. led by Simpson as the Republican uh, co-sponsor on the bill. And, um, you know, I think that's a good thing that he did. And I believe that of, of the increasingly competitive election that we're going to create, it'll make him think twice yeah. about you know, how he votes. I think that I would say he, a lot of the feedback I get from you know, my Republican friends and folks I talk with are that he's disappointed them uh, by the way he's acted and operated mm-hmm. in Washington. They thought he would be more mainstream. Well, I mean, I was, I was just, I just looked it up because I was trying to remember when it was back in October, he kind of got some news coverage because he stormed that meeting, oh, that's right. that closed door meeting, yep. um, in the house. Impeachment investigation. Yeah, yeah the yeah, impeachment right. investigation, and um, along with two dozen Republican colleagues, um, inside a secure hearing room, a closed door deposition, and and he was in, he was right there in the front, and like the the video. I mean, so that was interesting to see. I mean. And that's just well on a editorializing myself. I don't think he had very big uh, shoes to fill. No, um, you know, former <clears throat> congressman, now chairman of the Republican Party, Labrador is uh, mm-hmm. 
didn't in my eyes was never <laughs> actually that successful in the house so it's exciting yeah. to you know that we have somebody i mean it's yeah. f- as far as my recollection goes is in the Idaho Democratic Party, we haven't had somebody announce this early for CD1 in, in recent memory. So this is actually really exciting to, yeah. you know, have you out there pounding the pavement, starting to, to do some stuff. Um, we're recording this before your kickoff that happens this weekend, but your kickoff is happening this weekend. This will come out on Tuesday. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we're hopefully hoping for a big crowd for you. And, I, you know, I've seen some of your RSVP numbers. They look exciting. That's great. Um, that'll be fun. And Um, It will be fun, and I'm super (laughs) excited about it. I'm a little bit nervous, but hey, that's okay. Uh, Another element of my background that, you know, I am proud to be open about is that part of the reason why I left Idaho was because I was a troubled youth. In between my early teens, between the age of 12 and 14, I caught I got myself caught up in the juvenile justice system Mm -hmm. so that had me sent throughout the state and it wasn't for anything really bad I have a completely clean record as an adult so it's not something people can pull up I was able to obtain a security clearance in the military I used to speak to youth a lot and uh, when I would come back and visit I would get invited to go to those places here in the Treasure Valley and to speak to the young people at them. And so, um, you know, I'm fortunate in that this all happened at such an early age for me that I was able to move away and completely turn a new page and to live with my brother, who's a carpenter, who's married a nurse who had also moved away at a young age because at that time it wasn't everything that it is now where you have you know more after school programs there's a boys and girls club in Nampa that wasn't there when I was growing up and there's just a lot more you know programs and opportunities to try and help at risk youth i hear great things about you know schools like Frank Church in the area mm-hmm. that are doing really good things to help people that can slip through the cracks so that's why I left and I've been joking with people and saying that I'm back to cause trouble again but good trouble and um, so for me this is larger than politics this is about inspiring people from lower income backgrounds who you know maybe struggle uh, and 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 you know, fall down, but I want to show them that they can get, you know, get up, brush themselves up, and still, you know, be driven yeah. to be their better self. And so mm-hmm. I think um, being open and honest about, you know, that part of my story is going to be compelling for some people who might not have yeah. an interest in politics, but might have like an older brother or know somebody that, you know, you know, has had some challenges. Well, yeah, I think, you know, it's really important. Representation is important. Um, As a Latino, you know, there's I've never really had anybody, especially in Idaho politics, to turn to to be like, I would love to be them. You know, that's that's not a thing that has ever happened. It's always been just Caucasian folks have always been. Um, you know, because that's the majority of our state, sure. The but ones who step up. Yeah, those are the ones that step up and the ones that have always served, the ones that I've always had to look up to. Um, but it's been 
it's nice to see we're starting to turn that page. Um, and we're starting to turn that page also with, with women. And there's a lot more female candidates running now, but to have somebody like yourself, a person of color who, you know, had a background that, you know, might resonate with a lot more folks than we might think. Mm -hmm. That's really important to have somebody who's showing that you can overcome some of these obstacles. And some of them aren't even obstacles. They're just things that we've never seen before in politics. And it's really encouraging and hopeful that, you know, hopefully, you know, you'll connect with these folks as you're out on the trail that are just looking for somebody to to align with you know and that's that's really exciting and yeah so thank you I guess for running and you know stepping up and doing that yeah and also I mean the last candidate who took on or ran against Russ Fulcher was Mm -hmm. Christina McNeil who was also Latina Mm -hmm. um and so I mean that was so right back to back I mean yeah we have these candidates running um who are representing a different community than most people are used to seeing um so it's yeah it's pretty exciting yeah. Well, Rudy, anything you want to leave us with and leave the voters with? How about how about you tell the, the voters and the Democrats how they can get involved with your campaign? Check out our website, <laughs> sign up for the email list, um, and chip in. Uh, even if it's a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, twenty dollars, yeah. there is a cap. You can max so, out. Yeah, you can <laughs> max 20, out. Twenty eight hundred if you want. High roller. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, rudysoto.us. Follow us on all the social media platforms. Push it out to your friends. And um, awesome. Yeah, let's yeah. get your name out there. Yeah, We're excited. So that was Rudy Soto coming hopefully to a community near you. <laughs> yes, we'll be there. <laughs> there you go. Rudy thanks, Soto. Rudy. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Well, thanks again to Rudy for being here on today's episode. Thanks, Rudy. We're really excited to watch this campaign over the next couple of months as we march into November and uh, excited for him to give Russ Fulcher a run for his money. And please visit his website, rudysoto.us, R-U-D-Y-S-O-T-O.us, where you can get involved, donate, figure out where you can meet Rudy, and like him on all of the social media pages. There you go. Thanks, everybody. See you next week.